0: Psalm 17, I think, is really a a prayer uh, when David was persecuted, okay? When David was persecuted. We know this is David because if you look at the English uh, or Hebrew, verse 1, which is actually above our English, verse 1, it says a prayer of David. Do you guys see those four words? A prayer of David. So that's actually part of the scripture, okay? So we see very clearly that this is written by David. um, And we also know this is a prayer. Now, when you read Psalm 17... It doesn't always say you, you Lord, you, right? It sometimes goes on and he describes his life, and sometimes he describes his enemy. But I think the theme, a big theme of this prayer is actually, uh, what do you do when you're faced with an enemies? And specifically, enemies of God, who becomes your enemy, because what? Um, because you decide to follow God, okay? I want to point this out, this is not just any other enemy in a trivial sense of people that are your competitor, or people that don't merely like you because you're sinful. Because this is on the basis that people are against you because you are actually doing what is right and you're following God, okay? Uh, if you see in verses 1 and the last verse, so how many verses are there total here? Rebecca, how many verses are there total in Psalm 17? 15. Yeah, 15 verses, okay. So beginning verse and last verse actually mention the word righteousness. Now in English verse 1, it actually says justice, a just cause. You guys see that? But the Hebrew actually is the same word as right, uh, or right cause or righteous. Okay, same kind of Hebrew wording in verses 15, where it says, "I shall behold your face in righteousness." Okay, Hannah, uh, you could calm down. Okay, so here we see in verses 15 uh, both beginning and end, which shows that this here is not just talking about personal enemies. Okay, this is not just talking about personal enemies, but this is talking about those who are against us because what? We stand for what is right, and they're enemies of God. And because they're enemies of God, they're not going to stand for what? Go against you because they're not standing for righteousness, okay? So in light of this, uh, today we're going to see what do you do when people are against us or for righteousness. So really, um, there's going to be three responses, okay? Uh, Or three points today. Okay, so how many points? Rebecca, Abigail, Hannah? How many points? Three, okay? Um, Point number one is when you're persecuted, pray to God with integrity, okay? We need to have integrity, which means honesty. This is in verses one to five. Okay, I'll pray to God when, uh, with integrity. Point number two: when you're persecuted, pray to God because of His love. Okay, pray to God because of His love. Okay, this is in verses six to twelve. And the last point is when you're persecuted, pray to God because you want God. Okay, pray to uh, when you're persecuted, pray to God because you want God. Okay, this is in verses thirteen to fifteen. Okay, so in light of this, let's look at point number one. Okay, so this applies. By the way, when we stand for God, it's sooner or later somebody—maybe not every single moment, but somewhere down the life in your life—there will be people against you because you stand for who? Stand for God. Okay. So point number one: when you are persecuted, could you stop? When you are persecuted, pray to God with integrity. Okay, verses one to five. we read this earlier But I think when you look at re- 1 to 5 You can divide this into two more parts How many more parts? Two, okay You're going to see Actually when you look at this There's a pattern of petitions Then descriptions, okay That is requests And then what? Descriptions 1 to 2 is the, description, uh, the petition And then verses 3 to 5 Gives us description And the description specifically Is that of integrity Hannah, could you quiet down? Okay, so the description of integrity is in uh, verses three to five. Okay, so let's look at petition. Okay, let's look at petition. Uh, David wanted God to hear him, and then in verses one to two, he opens it up by saying, "Hey, I really want God to hear me." Notice he actually says in five different ways he asked God to listen to him. How many different ways? Five. Okay, uh, Rebecca Abigail Hannah is what? How many ways? Five. Okay, five different ways. Okay. Uh, first one is, uh, hear a just cause, O Lord. So notice the first one, the mm-hmm. verb he used to say, hey, God, listen to me, is a verb, hear. Mm-hmm. Second one, he says, give heed to my cry. This is also in verses 1, the second uh, phrase. Okay? Third one, notice now he used the verb, give ear to my prayer. Okay? Mm-hmm. Give ear to my prayer, to which, is not, which is not found with deceitful lips. And this is the first time he claims that, that he's walking with integrity, which he's going to describe more. In verses 3 to 5, okay? Notice also as well, he says what? Let my judgment come forth from your presence, okay? So come forth as a description of what? Of, of uh, praying to God, that he's asking God to listen to him. And then in verses 2, uh, last part is, let your eye look with equity, okay? Let your eye look with equity, okay? Then in verses 3 to 5, he gives description of integrity, Now, what is this integrity? I'm just curious. Abigail, do you know what integrity is? Okay. Integrity means actually with honesty. Okay. Honesty means what? You are telling the truth, but you're also walking in a way that is not purposely what? Sinful. Okay. Purposely sinful. Okay. So in verses 3 to 5, in verses 3 to 5, these are descriptions. Okay. Actually, in verses 3, he describes testing that God's going to test you. Okay. Now, at this point, I know, Rebecca Abigail, you guys haven't had tests yet. Yes, guys will be. Yes, I pretty have, pretty I awesome. have okay. but they're easier tests. Yes, well, okay. you did a test for us one time. Yeah, but as we do more homeschooling, there'll be even more, okay? So, tests, okay? But there'll be... Uh, verses 3, that's described uh, testing in three different ways, okay? The first one is, you have tried my heart, okay? Say, tried. Girls, say, tried, okay? Now, the word tried actually is the idea, uh, back then, um, now... When people look for gold, where do they get gold from? The sea ocean. Not the sea. You guys remember? From where? The river. The river sometimes, the but sea. also as well deep in what? Underneath the, Mountains uh, into remember Geronimo Stilton, you guys read that uh, part? They went into what? A mine or a cave, right? To get precious mineral, okay? Mm-hmm. Now yes, some, can you just go in any cave? Uh, not any where you or you find it on the ground. Certain places on the ground would have it, okay. So well, I thought the crabs it was made from the spit, so it's in the ocean Yeah, okay, so let's go back on, okay So uh, so in light of this, you also want to make sure that the material you get, the rocks At first it could look like many different things So the word tried here, when it says you have tried my heart Actually uses the idea of like precious metal They want to get rid of all the bad stuff And they only want the, what, silver Or they only want the gold Or they only want, what, the metal part, okay So they'll put it in very hot fire, okay to separate what the junk or the things they don 't need from the precious metal, okay, so notice here it says you 've tried my heart what 's the object of testing here is our heart, and our heart is what the center where we think there where we uh, have thought and inclination, okay, so you have tried my heart. Uh, another part is you have visited my me uh, by night, so that 's the second description uh, by the way, who we are is often what. Uh, if you really find out who you are, see what you do at night, okay? When you're no longer at work, what you really watch on TV, or, or just who you really are. You're no longer working and having to be polite, just to be polite, okay? okay. So he says here, a hey, God visited me. By the way, the word visit, in our English it says visited. Does the NKJV, I mean, uh, are you using NASB, Mr. Byrne? Yes. Oh, okay, okay. Nancy, uh, NKJV, what does it say for verse 3? You have visited yes. me by night. Okay. Thank you so much. So the word visited actually in Hebrew has the idea of carefully looking at something. Okay? Carefully looking at something. You guys know what magnifying glass is? Yeah. What so do make you guys... things bigger. Yeah, make yeah, things bigger. Okay. okay? Sometimes like, they're, they're really small. Yeah. Sometimes at the Huntington Library. Yeah, yeah, through a magnifying glass. Okay? Sometimes at the Huntington Library. Okay? So when you look with a uh, magnifying glass, you're what? Looking at something very, very what? Small. Carefully. Not just small. But you could look at regular things, but you make it bigger, so you look at it what very very carefully. So this verb here, when it says you have visited me by night, it's more the idea you have examined me at night. You look at me when who I really am at. Okay, what I really am like. Okay, at night when I am most relaxed and when I'm really true of myself. Okay, then the other verb is you have tested me. Okay, the verb tested has the same idea of testing a metal. A precious metal, okay? Same idea oh, for the, the second time, okay? So all of this, so it's basically saying, hey, God, could you listen to me when I pray? But when I when I pray to you, God, I am honest and ch- test my heart. And notice the result of this test. What does he say? Verses 3, last part says, and you find nothing. That is nothing bad in my heart. Now, when we look at our heart, is it true there's nothing bad in it? Yeah, we're sinful, okay? But David says this. Why does he say this? Is because in verses 3, he also says, Hey, the reason why God looked at me and you saw nothing bad with integrity, I have integrity, is because he says, I have purpose that my mouth will not transgress, okay? What he's saying here is that there is nothing that he is doing. The word transgress, okay? There's a different word for sin. Transgress has the idea you're purposely doing something bad. Just to be rebellious against God, okay? Maybe I could give an analogy. Um, do we sin every day? Yes. Yes. Okay. Sometimes do we sin? Uh, we didn't realize it. Like we weren't paying attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Transgression is this. Is the example is this? Let's just say mommy says, "Hey, don't do this," and then you know mommy says, "Don't do this," but you say, "I'm gonna. I'm really upset with mom, and I'm gonna go ahead and do it just to make mom angry." Okay. Is that different than sinning in other ways? Mm-hmm. By the way, transgression, is that a big sin or a small sin? Big sin. Because why? You're not just only doing the wrong thing. You're doing it purposely to say, I'm going to be rebellious towards who? God. Or mom or dad, whoever. You're purposely wanting that other person to get what? Angry and upset that you're not obeying. So, do you see this? He's not saying, I don't have no sin. He's saying, I'm not doing it purposely to rebel against who? God to purposely say, I'm going to do this, God, so that God, you don't like this. Does that make sense? So this is what He's saying here. This is He's not saying it without sin. And notice compare and contrast in verses four to five. As for the deeds of men, by the I'm reading verses uh, four now. Correction: verses four to five. Oh, I need to correct my outline. Okay, verses four to five. He has a contrast. He's going to compare himself with people that don't follow God. He says, "It's the deeds of men by the lips, words of the lips." I have kept from the paths of the violent. Okay, my steps have held fast to your paths. My feet has not slipped. Okay, he's saying he's not going doing the same thing what, wicked people do. Okay, and now we might say, wait, how could David say this? Because how could he say he could be such good? Is he tooting his own to- horn? Right? You guys know what I mean by that, bragging about how good he is. Is that what he's saying? Remember, like remember, the key word is looking at the word transgress. He's not saying he's without no sin because later. Does he write Psalm thirty one? Who wrote Psalm thirty uh, one? Abby, quiet David, okay. Do you remember that's a prayer confessing what? Uh, sin, right. Psalm fifty two uh, is a, pr- a prayer confession of what? Sin. Okay. Actually, let's turn real quick to Psalm thirty one, just to look at this. Psalm thirty one. Um. Uh. uh with, oh, actually, I'm sorry. Psalm fifty two, right? Uh, Psalm thirty two, right? This is. This is a Psalm of David, very clear, and then he's talking about a, whose sin is forgiven. Okay, he's not perfect, but he's saying at that point in his life he wasn't purposely going out to rebel against God. So I think what he's trying to say, Rebe- uh, Abigail, quite down, uh, verses one to five. What he's trying to say is what he's per- he's not trying to sin, and he has a purpose of what being consistent, mm-hmm. consistently loyal to who, God. Okay, consistently loyal to God. So his application. Um, How do you know when you pray? By the way, when people are enemies of God and they go against you, could you go to God and say, God, deal with them with justice? Yeah, you can, okay? Now, you could also, as a Christian, we should also pray, we pray that they convert, that they get saved, right? We turn the other cheek. But how do you know when we pray, dear God, they're so awful towards me. Lord God, please uh, teach them a lesson. How do you know you're just praying that because you're upset? You don't like them and versus you're praying that because you really care about God first. And that's why you care for justice. You know how? You could say, then ask yourself this question. This question is how you know when you're praying to God, Dear God, punish them for their sins or discipline them for their sins. That you're not doing it with a bad heart and you're really doing it for God's glory. he ask this question. How does the rest of your life look like? Do you have integrity, right? Do you have integrity? Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, so that's what we ask that Okay, so that's how you test that. Okay, does that make sense? Uh, With that, Uh, so uh, does that make sense, Ben? You can hear. Understand that, most? Because I think there's places where we can pray, say, "Hey Lord, discipline this person," but the way to tell the difference, you're not just getting angry and say, "Ah, I don't like this person. I hope that person's awful." Is does your own life show integrity? Okay, we're at Psalm 17. Okay, so Psalm 17 verse 1 to 5 is, it's very clear that this is not just praying against an enemy, your own enemy, okay? So this is not like you're, you know, you're working and you have a competitor of your business and you say, Oh, you know, this is not Chick-fil-A and Popeyes, okay? You guys know right now there's competition and Chick-fil-A says, Oh, may you be, you know, dashed to pieces just because you're a competitor. You no, know, this is what? Someone who's going against righteousness. And how do you know? You generally is also, hey, in your own life, do you pursue integrity, right? Okay? So that's, uh, so in, as application question from verse 1 to 5, do you have a trajectory of being faithful to God's law? We're not perfect, but do you generally uh, pray for that, okay? Um, I know Jenna just came in. In general, with well, this Psalm 17 is praying about persecution. When someone goes against us, okay? Um, goes against us, and they're enemies of us because they're what? They become an enemy of God, okay? So point number one if point number one is when you pray when you're persecuted, pray to God of integrity. Point number two is this when you pers- or are persecuted, pray to God because of his love, okay? Uh, wi Fi? Uh, Wi-Fi? Wi-Fi? Uh, yeah, you can look over. Uh, I actually don't have an outline for tonight. I didn't oh, set you did. it up. Yeah. Oh, wait, okay, because I didn't uh, fully format it uh I didn't format it well oh, okay. for for tonight. I just have rough notes. Uh, which one? Or can you? It yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Okay. Oh. I'm entering Wi-Fi. What is Wi-Fi? Uh, internet. Why? I hope this will okay. okay, let me know if it works, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll have to edit this to cut this part out. <laughs> it's, <laughs> not, it's okay. It's, not, it's, not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not, baby. Okay, so in looking at uh, so our second part is when you are persecuted, pray to God because of His love for you, okay? Uh, I think we must never forget, sometimes when we have enemies of God, sometimes when we have people our are enemies, it could cause us to have sleepless nights, yes? Sure. Um, but sometimes we could think Oh maybe God is cursing me uh, Maybe there's something You know like God doesn't love me anymore Right uh, I think Yes he might use it For disciplining us Like in a sense We're doing things wrong Or sometimes he's doing it In a sense he wants us to grow But one thing We must be very clear Is that even when We're persecuted We must realize That God still loves us Okay I think that's a, a focus On verses 6-12 to And by the way I think we must never Downplay God's love Okay We talk about holiness a lot as our church, but does that mean God doesn't love us? No, in fact, actually, if we understand the holiness of God, how we deserve God's wrath, only then do you see how deep the depths of God's love for us, that Christ would die for our sins, and He'll still work in us and sanctify us and say, even when you have enemies, even God says, I have not left you alone. But when we pray... I think we should be motivated to the fact that God loves us. Okay, so verses six to twelve, just like the other rest of the other section, um, these this section could be broken down into two further parts: petitions and description. Okay, description in in this pass uh, a petition is in verses six to eight. Okay, six to eight. Verses what again? 68 thank you and then description of now is the description of his enemies okay by the way notice that even though he's praying in a very desperate situation and don't forget who write this this is david he had real enemies that genuinely wanted to what murder him okay yes. we, we must never forget that this is not just you know it's not just something small he's describing about it yet i think we should be comforted with as serious of enemy as we uh, as david has when we have our own enemies when we're persecuted we can still pray to god okay and the description of enemies is described in verse 9 and 12. And I love how he spends eight verses talking about praying and even his own integrity before he finally describes his, uh, the enemies he faced. And when you look at verses 9 and 12, it's pretty serious stuff. But what does it show? That when we have difficulty, we should focus on God so much first that, yes, the situation is very desperate. But yet, put God first and go. And your own personal walk with God comes first as a priority than even with the own risk and dangers that you face, okay? So I'm going to switch this around now. I'm going to look first at the description of his enemies because I just want this to be very vivid to see the description of his enemy. Then we go and say, hey, even in light of this, we can go to pray. What's the basis we could pray to God? Is because of God's love, okay? Verses 9 to 12, let me read this again. For the wicked one who despoiled me. My deadly enemies who surround me, they have closed their unfeeling heart. With their mouth they speak proudly. They have n- now surrounded us in our steps. They set their eyes; they cast us down to the ground. He is like a lion that is eager to tear, and as a young lion lurking in hiding places. This is pretty serious stuff. What are some description that stands out to you? In verses nine and twelve. Verse nine and twelve. Any description stands out to you? That like He, okay. he uh, describes his enemies as though they're. Wild yeah, yes. okay, yeah Very good, okay it's bad description. Yeah. I mean, it's actually a plural of enemy Because he says there But if you look at verse 12 He well, predators, gets predators. Yeah, like predators He yeah. even says he, a singular mm-hmm. So I think he probably has some arch enemy Of some sort Of you knowing many one, Maybe the leader of that mm-hmm. Think about, that's pretty frightening stuff Yes, right? right? When we have like a group of people against us And we know there's an instigator, leader Man, that's pretty hard And he describes them as a lion that's ready to tear, verses 12, right? Uh, I saw a meme, uh, I mean, I I know it's not a lion, but it's a tiger. I saw on Facebook someone uh, posted a thing about how tigers, if you look at their ears, they actually have white spots. Mm -hmm. And scientists believe that's actually a way to make uh, possible enemies of tigers think that the tiger has, what, eyes in the back. And the meme was just making a point... Like, what kind of scared predator could be more scarier than a tiger that would want to jump on a tiger, okay? Um, But here we see, right, like a tiger or like a lion, eager to tear, right? Ready to tear things apart, okay? Uh, I actually think of all those, visiting the um, zoo, the last time I visited a zoo, I think the most incredible animal to me is still the tiger, okay, and lion, right? Like, it just looks so... Majestic, okay? Mm -hmm. I mean, eagles are cool everything else, but to see that, it's just like, wow, they're so strong and everything else, okay? Even looks so majestic with its coating, okay? And it's lurking in the hiding places, ready to what? To pounce, okay? But yet David prays. But when David prays to God, notice what's the basis of his prayer. Look with me in verses 6 to 8. His first basis of why he could pray to God with his enemies is the basis of the belief that God answers, Okay? Look at verses six. The first part: I have called upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Okay. So he believed that God answered prayers. So I think when we were going through persecution, I think one thing we must realize right away is what we need. We need to realize that God hears. Okay. We need to uh, pray that God hears. Okay. I don't want to get too autobiographical, but I, I think for myself, um, one of the hardest times for me in ministry, a uh, moment when I actually thought about quitting was. There used to be someone that was considering um, that our church was actually considering being uh, even talking about very openly, even about being the senior pastor. And it turned out that I felt the more I worked with him, the more I was like, "Wow, his life was not what we think it is." You know, doing evangelism, you know, there's different things. It's just like, man, there's a lot of question marks. Um, but I also felt during that time when there was a lot of these drama, I was praying, like, Lord God, am I wrong? Because I think that's important to realize too. Sometimes you need to realize, am I wrong? Because I, I don't want to be wrong, because I want to put God first. And, there was, and at that moment of time, I was thinking, man, it feels like I'm not sure. Um, there's all these questions. I, in the end, I was just saying, we've got to go slow. But there's a lot, of, the question is really big question marks, okay? But then it felt like, man, God didn't give a clear answer, yes or no, uh, definitively. I, I thought it was, but everyone else said no, okay? But even that time, I felt like in the moment when you believe, I think we still need to pray, believing that what? God has not abandoned us, but also believe, we must still believe by faith that God answers. He's a God to answer, because as he says, the David says, I have called upon you, for you will what? Answer me, O God. And part of answer is, it's in his time. It might not be right now. Now he says yes or no, but we must continue to pray. We must continue seeking. But then we might even ask a further question. Now, I love right now my daughters are asking me a lot of questions, right? Whenever we're driving the cars, the girls ask what? Dada, can you tell us a story, right? And then they, when you hear one story, I was like, wow. And I know in 10 years from now, that might be a little different. They might not want. So they might be at the point of say, Dada, we hear that story already. You told that many times, okay? But when we ask one question, they ask another question. And they ask, why? And then you answer why. They sometimes say, why? Right? And go on, okay? So we might say, okay, why do we pray? Is because we believe God answered. Why does God hear us? An- uh, why does God answer? It goes on in verse 7. Because God loves us. Okay? Did you see the description? It says, Wondrously show your loving kindness. So those, David here is writing this. He believed. Why would God answer? us? because God is lovingly kind towards us. Okay. By the way, the Hebrew word for loving kindness... Is really rich. It's actually hesed or kesed, okay, depending on how you pronounce it. It's actually a faithful love, okay. Think about like covenantal love, like marriage love. When I say I love you to my wife, uh, when we in our wedding say I love you, we make a what a vow. It's not we're saying a vow that we're hoping to love you us love each other just only for a day. No, for a month, forever long, forever long as we have what breath. That's what we have, okay? That's what we're making a commitment to. That's what loving kindness is. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So. Oh my. Okay, Abigail, let's go back on. Uh So we pray for that, okay? And by the way, God does He ever stop breathing? Well, God doesn't need to breathe. God's alive without oxygen without that, right? He's a source of everything, created oxygen and stuff. So Hannah, uh, Abigail, quiet down So notice he says He prays to God Knowing that God has loving kindness okay. Another description is God's love is further described in this way Keep me as the apple of the eye Does all your versions say that Verses 8, the first line yes. Apple of the eye Okay, okay. I so. yeah. Now literally I, I, I want to touch on the Hebrew a little bit here the, Literally that phrase means It doesn't say apple of the eye in Hebrew Okay uh, It's English translation to yeah. give us the idea Okay it literally says the little man of the daughter of the eye. You know what it's talking about? It's actually when you look at your eye, there's a part that's white. And the other part is what? Different colors, right? Different shades of brown. Some people blue. The pupil of your eye, okay? What scientifically, medically, we call today the pupil of the eye. Uh, that's what it's saying. He, is he saying that God loves us so much? He's like, what? The pupil of your eye. By the way, do we protect our pupil of the yeah. eyes? right? Uh, some of us have contacts. Anyone have contacts here? You can imagine it's kind of hard to put it on, right? By the way, is do we blink a lot when we realize there's danger, right? Because why? We want to protect our eyes, right? We're, we sometimes don't even think about it. We just blink right away to protect, like move away, right? Because that's how precious or valuable is our people of our eye, okay? Literally, Hebrew is the little man of our eye, okay? Or why in English we translate that is because of old English, The idea of King James Is also the apple of your eye This is the most precious part Of your eye And God is saying what Going back on To verses 8 You know what God is saying here Hannah uh, Abigail Is keep me as the apple of eye Say hey protect me The Hebrew verb Shema For keep Is also the same word Protect Okay Mm -hmm. You want to protect In so many ways Right By the way our body What is How does it protect it It naturally has tears And eyes to water it Yes right Uh, You have eyelids Okay uh, we do all kinds of things To protect our, our eyes Both instinctively And also consciously So God is saying Hey you're that precious part This is how much I love you Okay I love you this much But does God stop In describing His love for us No He goes on Look with me In the second half of verse 8 It says Hide me In the shadow of your What? Wings Okay We're, uh, On Sundays We've been going with what book? The book of Ruth, okay? The book of Ruth. Does the word Ruth mention shadow of your wings or wings? Yes. yes. How many times? Twice. The first one, remember, is um, is, is a praying for, uh, uh, what do you call it, a uh, roof two, um, uh, R- Naomi, uh, uh, Boaz says, yeah, to Ruth, that you have trusted in God. You have turned to God to be what? Put his wing over you. Then Roof 3, which actually we haven't started yet. Uh, I've just been doing preparation. Roof right? uh, 3 is later on, what? Naomi? Uh, no, Roof goes to Boaz and say, Hey, could you put your wings over me? Okay, what a beautiful imagery. Okay, uh, You see the imagery of love. And by the way, wings over somebody is often God's uh, imagery of a bird, mother hand protecting this chick, baby, birds, or also used for analogy for marriage throughout different parts of Scripture. So in light of all this beautiful imagery of love, whether the hand or whether of marriage, is God is saying what? I love you so much, okay? Now which image is used here? The birds, I mean the hand with the chicks or marriage? And I would say the answer is both. Does the New Testament describe God's love for us so much that we are what? The bride of who? Christ, Okay. Revelations 19, Ephesians 5. That's how much God loves us. And listen, my brothers and sisters, the reason why we pray to God is we need to really believe that God loves us, okay? Um, Never ever think, oh, because we talk about sin so much, because we talk about God's holiness, that somehow that undermines God's love. Somehow, I think as we're sinful beings, we always have either or, right? Some churches can emphasize so much God's love and they never talk about holiness. Or the wrath of God. Yeah. And some churches could talk about holiness and wrath yeah. so much, they never emphasize God's love. Yeah. But I think the answer is what? Both. right? God loves us. That's why we could pray to Him. And that's why we believe He will answer. Yeah. Let's go to the third point. Uh, so the second point we reviewed earlier is, when you are persecuted, pray to God because He loves you. Yeah. Now the third point is found in verses 13 to 15, is when you're persecuted, pray to God because in the end, you want God. Let me say this again. When you're persecuted, pray to God because you want God. Again, just like the other uh, section, there's uh, two parts here. Petition and description. Petition is found in verse 13. Petition is found in verse 13. So, petition is found in what verse? 13, okay? Then description is given. Specifically, description is that comparison between the persecutors and David himself. This is found in verses 14 and 15. Found in what passage? 14 to 15, okay? Thank you very much. So let's look first at the petition. Verses 13 says, Arise, O Lord, confront him. Remember, he's talking about his arch nemesis as a singular, okay? Mm -hmm. Confront him, bring him low. Deliver my souls from the wicked with your sword. By the way, the word wicked is also singular in the Hebrew, okay? It's talking about one individual. And he's saying, hey, I have a real enemy, and he's actually saying, God, bring even your sword, okay? Okay? Because this person is giving David a real hard time that's his petition that's what he requested but then he describes the contrast between him and his persecutor and persecutors actually because later on in, verse, in verses 14 and 15 he describes in the plural do you see that men in verse 14 not man plural okay verses 15 uh, it said, uh, verses 14 also says they right but what does he compare them with? Is actually, he's describing, actually, what he's going to describe is what they're satisfied with. Mm. Listen, listen real quick, okay? One of the ways you could tell whether or not you truly love God is look at your feelings. Because your feelings don't lie. Mm. What do what you find satisfaction in, okay? Uh, what you find satisfaction in reveal what you truly love, okay? And he's going to say, let's look at our enemies. Let's look at the enemies of God, our being the en- uh, God's enemies and David's enemies. And look, look at what they're satisfied with. And then he's going to say, okay, look at that and then compare and contrast with what is he satisfied with ultimately. So we're going to look at ultimate satisfaction. If you look at verses 14, it says, they are satisfied with what? Children and leaving their abundance to their babes. Now remember Jesus' teaching that even, uh, remember he says that we must do good things even to our enemies? Right. Because why? Even the enemies, even the wicked people know how to treat their own kids well, right? Uh, so here we see that okay, even people that are wicked, sometimes by God's common grace, they even treat their own kids well, right? As it says here, they're satisfied with their children, they love their children. After doing all their evil, they kind of go back and they they prize their kids, they love their kids, okay. Then they also are what? They also want to leave an inheritance, right? Do they want to leave small inheritance or big inheritance to their kids, babe? Okay. Question, questioned you guys. Is this a bad thing to want good for your kids? Yeah. So, no. So, he's not saying here they're wrong for this. But he's now saying, okay, what do you find your ultimate satisfaction in? By the way, as Christians, other passages also says, like Psalm 71, we should love our kids, right? right. We should value them and that kind of thing. Okay, they're precious. But here, look at verse 15. What does he find his ultimate satisfaction in? Verse 15, I'm going to read this out loud. As for me, I shall behold your Face in righteousness I will be satisfied With your likeness um, When I awake Okay So here we see A very fascinating phrase That's what he says here He says very clearly In verses 15 He's satisfied with Whose likeness That of God Okay That of God Okay thank you so much Um, Here we see uh, With this okay That he says that Okay But then if you notice You might say Wait he wants to behold God's face. Could, you, could we physically, like in the actual metaphysical sense, see God's face and live? No, okay? I think where he's getting this from is actually the closest thing is with Exodus, okay? Turn with me to Exodus, uh, actually Numbers 12.8, uh, okay? Numbers 12.8. So put your pick your thumb in Psalm 17 and turn with me to Numbers chapter 12, Numbers chapter 12, So, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, okay? Numbers chapter 12, or actually Leviticus, Numbers, okay? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Numbers. chapter 12, verse 8. Rebecca, you want to read that? This is on page 129, Okay. Okay, Numbers 12, verse 8. Rebecca, you want to read that long, big girl voice? Mm -hmm. Even plainly and not in dark things, and he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So, here in the context, God is speaking, and in this speaking here, or or correction, um, uh, uh, Miriam and Aaron, they're kind of jealous. Okay, Uh, saying like, hey, how come you you think you're special? We hear from God too. And then God basically had to say, you know what? It's true, I spoke to all you guys, but Moses, he's in a different class. He's really close to me. He's been obedient. Mm -hmm. Don't be jealous, that kind of thing, okay? But here in verses 8, okay, verses 8 makes it clear that um, it's saying, hey, you've seen, behold the glory. Of the behold the Lord in the form, the same word for form also appears in. in turn with me to Psalm 17. Uh, when you see the ending in verse 15, do you see the part? I will be satisfied with your likeness. Uh, uh, when I awake, I think what he's trying to say here is this: David wants to be close with God, just like who? At that point, the closest person to God he could think of is Moses, and he wants to be not just a little bit close to God, maybe a little bit better than us. But he wants to be so close to God, he wants the same experience that what Moses has, okay? And he's saying here, so I think here is it's not necessarily seeing face to face, but his idea. And, and I think here when it says, when I awake, he's not saying, oh, when I awake. I think oftentimes when it's used as a euphemism, when people die, what do people usually say? Rest in what? Peace, okay? To say like sleep as a euphemism for death. So I think when he says here, when I wake, he's saying, I love you God so much, my lo- biggest longing in life is that when I die, I'll be awake. And by the way, consistent with that is he uses the language of arise, right? That when I arise, when I am resurrected, I want to see who? I want to see God, and I want to experience God in a deeper way. That's my deepest lo- heart longing, okay? That's my heart's deepest longing, Okay? You know, and it's talking about this, I always think about um, way back in two thousand four when I first came back from Iraq. I remember seeing a TV show. You guys seen that TV show called Home? In- was it um, Home Improvement? Home Improvement. I think it was something when like. You your home really nice. Yeah, I think for seven days, like they sent. It was like ABC TV show. It was uh, one of those thing where they have different families apply, and then they fix up the homes really nice. But then while they're doing that, they send the family to Disney World, and that's a, obviously a commercial for for um, what do you call that. Uh, for Disney too, right? Because it's ABC, uh, owned by Disney. So then this, I remember this only time that I saw this TV show was actually they did it for California National Guard, Guardsman, whose dad had a, his own business, had a really nice house, but then because he's uh, activated, does that mean he makes the same income? Like when he's active his business, so no. His business ended, uh, and yet he has to fix up all these home, his home thing that he just was in the middle of building up. So then he went to deploy And I love how the TV show, they built everything. They asked the kids what they wanted, okay? Now, the boys were big fans of the Dodgers, okay? So they went, and this was like in somewhere in Southern California, they went to the Dodgers. And they said, hey, would you guys be willing to have some of your lead players come and give autographs? And they said, yeah, sure, okay? And then they built the backyard. You know what they did with the backyard? They it's built it, up it. like a baseball area. Yeah, they yeah. set it up exactly to the scale. Now, yeah. it's a little smaller, okay? Then they found out the little girl always wanted to, Can't you know, be. uh, likes candy okay? So, you guys know story, okay so then they actually built in the house I could not believe they did it where you could actually have dispensed candies okay and then the wife wants a certain kitchen okay so they talked about that and everything else and the day finally came they were done building they had a big bus covered it they moved the bus and then they saw it right and the family and everyone you know everyone's cheering and everything else the mom goes in and the mom's really happy with the kitchen it's like, oh wow there's even a nice set of knife what well, ours wanted okay uh, then they went. Uh, actually, by the way, this whole time that's going on, they did not know that the husband, the dad, was actually back. The army actually let them him come back home early. So you know, they, the whole time they're even faking it, where he's like in the background, and made it look like desert, and he's like talking, video, skyping, whatever else. And then so they went all this. You know, then at what during the then they went to see the daughter's room, and the daughter was like all happy, like oh I have candy, and the mom's like. Oh man, we really need to have some rules. You cannot be eating so much candy and have cavities, right? Then the boys got so excited because they went over there and they saw what? Their favorite players, right? They gave them a bat of souvenirs and they're like, what's that famous coach from um, the Dodgers? You know, the one guy, he's like um, the icon. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I don't know his name. Yeah, Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't remember. But he's there too, right? But then at that moment, they saw there was an extra guy. It was it okay thank you yeah so he was there too right and they had bat and they were like wow this is so crazy this you know their big backyard they're like amazing then they saw this guy with a Dodgers baseball cap right looking down coming in and then they lift up and guess who they saw it was their dad okay at that moment they dropped their bat. the boys dropped their bat right the wife ran over it. like even the host of the show they were like moving away right because the camera at the moment because they're not the important person at the moment right and everyone was teared up because why? At that moment, was not it was no longer about it was. By the way, those guys were frustrated the building seven days. Like they argue with each, you know, the people building. They're like, oh, I want to do things way. Oh, I want to do that way. But at that moment, it doesn't matter, right? How they're frustrated with each other, they did not matter because why? At that moment, the father is with the family. Okay, mm-hmm. the father's with the family. Can I say this? That's the same thing like with us. God gives many blessings. Okay, We might be frustrating. Serving God with people, it is frustrating. We might be like those people. like oh, I want to build his church this way. And I can't. Be, oh, you guys are all that. But in the end, when the final moment comes, when we see him face to face, none of that matters. Except for the joy, the sheer pleasure and satisfaction yeah. of seeing the Father. Mm. When he says, well done my good and faithful servant. All the persecution, all those tears will be wiped away. And this is where we see point number three. When you're persecuted, pray to God. Because why? With all your hardship, with all the difficult people, with all the difficult situations, with enemies of God and with people going against us because you pray ultimately to see and to love God for who He is. And we need to be reminded of that, are we not? In our struggles of our day-to-day life, of our week, that we want to love God To be like David, say, I want to experience God in a deeper level, like what? Moses. And like us also as well, Jesus promised. Mm -hmm. Scripture. The close relation with the Father, just Mm -hmm. like the Son has with the Father. What a great privilege that we have. Mm -hmm. Let's close in a word of prayer, okay?